0: Hello, this is Matt Burgess from the New Zealand Initiative. I'm joined by our Executive Director, Oliver Hartwich. Hello, Oliver. Hi, good to be with you. Well, good to be with you. Now, last week, the Commerce Commission released their draft findings from a market or competition study on supermarkets in New Zealand. Oliver, what did they find?
1: Well, in summary, they were concerned that there isn't enough competition in the supermarket sector in New Zealand. They also gave us a range of potential options on how to fix that. Part of that was potentially forcing supermarkets to sell some of their stores, potentially forcing them to separate their retail and wholesale businesses, potentially also creating a government-owned or government-co-owned third supermarket chain to enter the market.
0: What could possibly go wrong? So that was um, pretty interesting findings. Now you've written an article that's in the Herald, I think it was published yesterday, and you've made uh, the very interesting argument that competition is harder to spot in the wild than you might think. It's not just a matter of um, markups and margins and number of competitors, is
1: it? That was exactly my point. Um, Most people think that you see an absence of competition when you have fewer competitors, like a duopoly that we have in our supermarket sector, or when there are loads of profits to be gained in the supermarket sector, and we do have profitable companies in that sector, thank God, I'd say. Or some people believe that um, you can see a lack of competition in a high price level. And I think All three of these issues, higher prices, number of competitors, high profitability, they might be an indication, but they don't prove anything. They don't prove an absence of competition because it's much harder to demonstrate that no competition takes place. And then I go through all of these issues in my piece um, really one by one. But I start with the observation, of course, that many Kiwis believe that um, they're fleeced at the supermarkets because prices are obviously lower internationally. And I have some examples from a... Recent mailer from the Aldi chain of supermarkets in Germany, I mean, ridiculous prices by New Zealand standards, a can of Belgian beer for sixty, or um, almost a liter of um, premium ice cream for $3. I mean, you would struggle to find that in New Zealand. And so many New Zealanders believe that we are paying too much. Except um, it is much harder to prove that we are in fact paying too much just going through the arguments that I present in the article.
0: So there's lots of reasons why we might be paying more. So let's go through them. One of them is
1: is a question over competition. What else? Okay, let's go through them. The first thing that people say, oh, it's a duopoly, therefore it must be uncompetitive. Well, actually, that's not true. I mean, there are many neoclassical economists who believe that you need really many, many competitors in the market to make the market perfect, this comp- perfect competition mm-hmm. model. I don't buy that. Um, I think you can have markets with only a couple of competitors and they can be fiercely competitive. And there are really good examples internationally. I mean, think of the competition between Pepsi and Coca-Cola. You've got the two dominant soft drinks companies in the world and they are fiercely competing with one another. Or take Airbus and Boeing. I mean, the leading manufacturers of um, jet aircraft aircraft Nobody would accuse them of not being competitive. They are really at each other's throat and they're trying everything to compete um, with the other. Or take the market for high-end camera systems. I mean, you've got a massive competition between Canon and Nikon. So I think the sheer number of competitors doesn't tell you anything. You can have two and you can have a massive competition Um, You could probably even have one as long as there is a threat of entry into the market. So numbers themselves don't tell you anything.
0: Right, so let's talk about what the test is. If it's not markups, if it's not number of competitors, what is the test? You've got a view that competition is a process. What does that mean?
1: Well, my view is that competition is a discovery procedure. And by that I mean that the market will eventually find out what consumers want. I also make the argument in the piece, that consumers are interested in prices, but not just in prices. They are interested in having a good supermarket with a good range of products, with good quality, with a decent loyalty scheme, with car parks outside. There are so many dimensions on which um, supermarkets compete with one another. Price is one of them. It's an important dimension, but it's not the only one. So I think we have to think about competition as a discovery procedure. I'm very much influenced there by F.A. Hayek and by Israel Kurtzner and by the whole Austrian School of Economics, they've always emphasized that markets need to develop over time. And competition might be a noun, but it comes from a verb, and the verb is to compete. It is competing with one another, it's trying to figure out what works, what doesn't work, what consumers want, And that is competition to me. So the essential test is whether an entrant
0: could potentially, doesn't even have to, but could come in and eat the lunch of the
1: two incumbent supermarkets. Is that right? That is right. And by the way, it doesn't even mean um, having competition that there are no profits to be made. When you've got a highly competitive sector, you can still make a lot of profit. I mean, look at, for example, the German um, retail sector. So... Nobody would accuse um, Germany's retail sector of not being competitive because they've got extremely low prices in Germany, probably the lowest um, retail prices for groceries you can find in Europe. It's also a market that serves customers really well. There's a lot of choice in that market, and yet the richest families in Germany are basically retail families, retail barons, the Aldi family, the Albrecht family. Um, They are worth billions of dollars, and they made this in a highly competitive market. So again... Just because there is profit to be made in a market doesn't mean it's not competitive. So if the key test is entry, then the question is what are the barriers to entry?
0: And what does the commission say? What do you say the key thing we should be looking at is?
1: Well, the commission seems to suggest that there is a problem between the two big competitors in the market. They don't spell it out that clearly, but you get the impression that the commission believes they're not really competing with one another. There's a kind of a an understanding between the major players in the markets what prices um, should be charged and um, how competition should work. So it sounds a bit like a cartel. They don't really spell it out that way, but they accuse them basically of undermining competition. I have a slightly different view of that. I think actually the two companies are doing a pretty good job. They are both, I think, very um, efficient and very good at what they do. But the one thing that stops competition from developing in the market is not the companies themselves, it's the government, because the government has made it impossible almost for any other competitor to enter the market and offer consumers a different bundle of of, um, products and prices and promotions and convenience. And that's land use regulation. That is land use regulation. The problem is actually, it is difficult for any new competitor to enter the market, especially for international competitors. So, Think of the Walmarts and Aldis and Ikeas and Lidls of this world, companies that might be interested in the New Zealand market because they see from the outside there are some profits to be made. Why not consider New Zealand as a new country to add to their list? The problem is, if you're an international competitor, you would have to go through the overseas investment office. You have to find approval for each of your sites. And we know how difficult it is to navigate the Overseas Investment Act in New Zealand. Practically all land is somehow sensitive, apparently, in New Zealand. Um, And you need to do this for every site. You need to do it for every single supermarket you want to buy. You need to do it for your distribution centers. And you need to do it all at once. And these procedures can take a lot of time. There's a lot of insecurity built into the system. And it can take years until you've navigated it and then until you're actually operational. And
0: you've potentially got to go through that process once for each site. Yes. And maybe there's 30 of them across the country if well, you're trying to launch a chain. Yeah, exactly. That's and a
1: lot of paperwork. And potentially even more. On top of all of that, you have to deal with the planning laws. So the planning laws, of course, also limit the number of sites that can be used for supermarkets. And for some of the sites, we also know that there are specific covenants put onto them That is something where I think the existing players in the market have actually limited competition a bit because they have um, basically marked sites that could theoretically be used for supermarkets but can no longer because there's now a restrictive covenant on them. So for any newcomer, this market is really difficult to play. And that's why a few years ago, if my understanding is correct, Aldi has decided that actually it's too hard for them to play. They would love to be here, but actually all the procedures, all the planning constraints and all the overseas investment rules are just not worth the effort.
0: You know, I remember uh, an outrageous story, I thought, of attempts by uh, IKEA, the furniture manufacturer, um, to come into this country. Uh, a resource consent application was lodged for a new mall, I think at an intersection of, of two motorways in Auckland, which is the classic place that IKEA goes.
1: I think it was near Sylvia Park, wasn't
0: it? I think so. The, the development was approved, but with one exception, IKEA was not allowed to come uh, to that development. That was a condition of the consent. The reason was because
1: it would be too popular. Yes, too much traffic and the environment court at the time, said so too much traffic, that is a big no-no, we can't have that. Rather than interpreting it in the economic way, saying, well, if there's a lot of traffic around IKEA, there must be a need for that store.
0: That's right, and uh, you have a a roading or a transport system that can respond to demand in something like real time, um, or even within five years would be good. We don't seem to even have that. Or at least people that are willing to um, be open to the idea that there um, are opportunities uh, that we're foregoing with our land use regulations. And that's
1: what it's all about, and I think that's why the Commerce Commission in Parts was right, because they've got a chapter actually in their report where they highlight all of these restraints of trade and these barriers to entry rightly so. Um, The rest of the report and the potential recommendations, I don't think they make too much sense to me because that is actually just giving the government a blank check for intervention in the market. So I think if the government is concerned about the degree of competition in retail, well, it's for the government itself to fix, not in a way of creating a Kiwi Mart or something like that, but actually by just ensuring that barriers to entry are low. I would suggest to the Minister of Commerce, David Clark, to just have a chat. Just talk to international chains. What's holding you back from entering the New Zealand market? Why doesn't David Clark just ring up IKEA and just ask them, why are you not here yet? I mean, they're just about to open their first but Why did it take you so long? I think if we talk to them, we would find out what's wrong with um, barriers to entry And we would probably have a much better way of fixing potential problems in the market that exist. And I say potential because at the moment we simply don't know.
0: And I think, you know, with innovation, you know, innovation is a big thing and arguably a bigger thing today than it was 10 or 20 or 30 years ago. And that makes entry the. Most important thing. It's it's you know it's hard enough to tell uh, where competition is working in a static market. Where margins uh, markup over cost is per- perhaps more important. Exactly because markets
1: should be dynamic and it shouldn't be static. And by the way, the one thing we could find out if these entry barriers are gone, we could potentially find out that the existing structure with a duopoly serving this relatively large country with a low population is actually efficient for this place.
0: But we can't know unless the process exactly. is right, and that's the key thing. Yeah, I think the Commerce Commission, given the increased significance of uh, entry, the Commerce Commission should be ex- made expressly responsible for monitoring barriers to entry from all forms, all sources, not just private, but government as well. That's the key thing make them responsible for being a watchdog uh, looking out for barriers to entry because actually that's the key thing um, that determines outcomes for consumers, probably above anything else.
1: Correct, and if that's what uh, the Commerce Commission should (coughs) monitor, well, for that we don't need a market study. And actually I thought um, market studies were always a bit dubious as a concept because it requires the industry to give up all sorts of private confidential information and data without even an initial suspicion of any wrongdoing. I mean, not even the police has this power. Mm. So I think market studies are quite a dubious instrument in the first place. And if you're really concerned about competition in markets, it is relatively easy to find the government only has to look in the mirror to find the biggest obstacle to competition.
0: You know, I have to say, just looking through the Commerce Commission's report, it was refreshing to see a well-written, well-thought-through serious application of economics because we haven't seen a lot of that lately from other government agencies. But still, there's that idea for Kiwi Grocer in there. We've already got Kiwi Rail, we've got Kiwi Bank. Uh, What could possibly go wrong? Oliver, thank you very much. Thank you.